lesson six uh, is entitled "The Division of the Land," and uh, this is this is basically uh, an Old Testament survey in the history of Israel. This is picks up uh, where the uh, children of Israel uh, has uh, crossed over, and they are uh, beginning to take up the inheritance. So uh, Caleb and the the uh, spies they've gone out. They've come back given their uh, negative report. Uh, God uh, killed all of them that didn't have faith, and uh, and then this is this picks up to where that they're getting into uh, the land. So uh, they're starting to drive out the uh, inhabitants that were in uh, the promised land. So it's it's of note that uh, Joshua and Israel. Uh, they actually conquered 31 kings in total uh, in them uh, getting the uh, promised land. And uh, I, I uh, uh, will, will tell you this, you know, Moses and Joshua, I'll add this briefly, Moses and Joshua, uh, they worked in unison. And so Moses was, uh, you know, supposed to be on the, on the mountaintop. Joshua was supposed to be in, in the valley uh, transacting the war. And uh, uh, Moses uh, was supposed to be uh, extending his hands, lifted his hands up, uh, and keeping his hands up to pray the covering over what was going on in the battle. Amen. And uh, this is beyond uh, Moses. And so I just uh, felt to kind of throw this in that uh, if uh, any, any person that is supposed to be in leadership Right, and they're supposed to be uh, the covering of the battle that's going on. They're supposed to have their hands raised. And uh, I, I will ask you a question that the Holy Ghost asked me one time, and that is that we, you know I hear a lot of uh, every once in a while uh, some person will be puffed up a little bit, and they'll say, "Well, why why is leadership not down in the battle?" Anybody ever thought of that before? Uh, okay, well, let's just say y'all have never have, but, uh, you know, there are people that, uh, that have come and counseled me, counseled with me and said, why is leadership never, uh, in the valley? And, uh, Ian, the, the, the answer that I've always given is, is that if someone's got their hand raised and they're in, and they're in the valley in the battle, what, what does it mean when someone's got their hands raised? Surrender. So when leadership comes off the mountain and is supposed to be covering what's going on in the battle, but they're still trying to cover when they're in the battle, they move from a place of covering prayer to they move, they move to the posture of surrender. And uh, that's why that it is so important when we look at this that Joshua uh, remained conquering. He remained uh, in the battle and never went up on, never went up on the mountaintop uh, until it was time for him to go up on the mountaintop. Amen. So uh, there's a very distinct role when it comes to uh, the differences between those that are supposed to be fighting and warring and those that are supposed to be covering. Can I get one amen or at least a good Baptist head nod? All right. So Joshua and Israel, they conquered 31 kings. Uh, and then uh, Joshua, Joshua actually commanded uh, that the land be divided among the tribes. And uh, Eleazar, which was the high priest, he actually assisted 
uh, Joshua in this endeavor. And uh, the divisions uh, were Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Uh, they received their inheritance east uh, on the east side of Jordan. And uh, Judah received uh, the southern part of Canaan. And uh, that was basically from the Dead Sea to the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, Ephraim and the other half of Manasseh received uh, a portion of Canaan, which included Jericho and Bethel. And uh, those two cities were uh, very prominent uh, cities in Scripture, and um, uh, that was part of their uh, inheritance. Although those uh, those lands were still inhabited, uh, a significant inhabitant, inhabitant uh, population of Canaanites. And so they had some trouble uh, with uh, Jericho and Bethel uh, on down the road because, uh, well, uh, they, did, they didn't cast everybody out like they were supposed to cast them out. Amen. Uh, Benjamin and Dan, they received the land between Judah uh, and Benjamin, and that's... Uh, city of the Jebusites, this would later become Jerusalem, uh, is how they were, uh, that land was divided. And then Asher, Zebulun, Essachar, Naphtali, they received the uh, area north of uh, that, which included Galilee. And uh, Simeon had 17 cities uh, that he was giving, given, and a large, large, large area or portion of Judah. Uh, Levi, uh, is probably the unique tribe, and Levi. How, anybody know how much uh, inheritance Levi got? Zero. Uh, that, and and I, I make this statement. They got zero land, <laughs> uh, but they they got zero land. They inherited zero land, uh, but they, in my opinion, probably more so than any other tribe, they they got the greatest inheritance. Uh, because they they were the servants of the Lord, uh, administering the things of the tabernacle uh, and uh, the uh, various instruments that uh, the children of Israel served God. So they didn't get land, uh, but they got a spiritual inheritance. And uh, as far as as we go, you know, I mean, we're Americans, all except for the Brit that's my beautiful wife in here. And we're all Americans. We all believe in capitalism, right? So, I mean, in our mind, you know, it's like, oh, well, they got the land. You can do a lot of things with land. You can plant, build, whatever. Uh, so it's, 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 not, it's, it's counterintuitive to us uh, to where the, when we look at the Levi's to say that, well, you know, well, what, that, what was their inheritance? Zero. Well, the fact is, their inheritance was greater uh, than all of the other inheritance, in my opinion, from script, from the view of Scripture, uh, in that they they were involved with the work of God every day. That's what they. That's what their uh, entire lives centered around. And uh, what what an awesome testimony uh, and an awesome example for us as New Testament believers. Uh, in that we, you know, for the most part, we can uh, have the best of uh, both worlds. We can get inheritance of land, uh, but if we don't took, if we don't put that before God, we also can get the inheritance of Levi. Uh, in that we are continually before the Lord, uh, being used in the things of, of God uh, and His kingdom. Amen. And if I had to pick one, you'd keep your land. 
There's one one guy that uh, down in Arkansas. He's a big landowner, and and uh, he he owned. I don't know if I don't know if this is a lot of acreage for you guys, but uh, he he owned about twenty five thousand acres of land. And I asked him one time. I said, "Man, how much land do you uh, said, how much land do you want to know, brother Vanell? You know what he told me? He said, "I just want to own all the land that touches mine." Oh, you have you have your land. I'll take the uh, I'll take the temple and the work of God and the kingdom of God. Amen. So, uh, Levi, they were uh, they were supported. They didn't have any land, but they were supported by the tithe and offering of the other tribes. That's what uh, that's what their living uh, was made off of uh, for or was supplied uh, by the work of God and their ministry uh, in the temple. So they they had uh, forty eight cities. And six of these cities were refuge cities. We're going to talk about that uh, here uh, in just one moment. Uh, so Caleb, uh, this was the inheritance. Caleb was the guy. I don't know if you, if you guys uh, caught this or not, but Caleb was the spy that came back and said that, you know, that the Lord had given us this land, and it doesn't matter what we look, in their, look like in their sight, God said. And, uh, but, you know, there were, there were 11 other folks uh, I had ten other folks that uh, had a different opinion, and and uh, that was the first time that the, that democracy uh, didn't work. <laughs> and uh, so uh, Caleb, at the end of all of that, because of his faith, uh, he didn't die in the wilderness, and he's he is the one that is credited of, of saying, "Give give me this mountain," uh, because he was the one that that uh, searched out after that. And the inheritance, and uh, oh, that we would all have a spirit of Caleb to say that, uh, give me this mountain. I've been, I've been believing for this mountain for a long, long time, and uh, give me my mountain. Amen. Um, he defeated three giants uh, to claim his uh, possession, and uh, at 85 years uh, old, he drove them from the city. So to have the strength at 85, uh, 40-something, I, you know, well, I could, I was uh, almost asleep uh, with my son on the way here. Amen. So these cities of refuge, and I, I've really got to run through this. Now you're going to get the quick stuff because we prayed uh, in the will of God. So cities of refuge, there, there were uh, six of these that God established uh, in the land of Israel. Uh, three of them were on the eastern side of Jordan. Three of them were on the western side of Jordan. Uh, and uh, these are wonderful, wonderful representations uh, or typology of a Christ. Uh, and uh, for those of you, for those of you that uh, never heard me teach or we've never had interaction, a, ty- a typology is basically uh, it is a concept or something that happens in the Old Testament. But what it does, it is a foreshadowing. It, it is a it is a likeness of what God is as Christ in the New Testament. And so what, what typology does is it points us through the cross to the New Testament. And uh, in, the, in these cities of refuge, they, they are a typology of Christ in that what they were used for uh, was that there was a commandment <clears throat> that if you shed blood, uh, so if, uh, if somebody went around and, and uh, you know, killed your brother, According to the law, you could exact revenge uh, upon him, meaning that if you killed my brother, 
it's okay for me to come after you, and, and uh, it's the wild, wild west, right? <clears throat> but, uh, but these cities of refuge were that if, uh, if, that if I uh, killed your brother in self-defense, right, and I, and I and I didn't want to have to deal with uh, the elder here that's got his all that got his you know feathers up and his guns loaded and he's coming after me loaded for bear because I killed one of his own. But I did that in self defense. There was there was a uh, provision in the law that said that I if I could get to one of these cities of refuge. <laughs> that the person that was extracting revenge did not have the right nor the authority to enter into that city of refuge. And that as long as I stayed within the, within the boundary of that city of refuge, that he could not extract revenge and my life would be spared. Amen. And if he, if he crossed it up and got over the boundary or whatever and came after me, <clears throat> I'm still good. But now he, he's, he's transgressed, and he's transgressed at, at the expense of his own life. Amen. So here we are with the typology of that is, is that we are Christ. And uh, uh, hopefully uh, nobody in here was a murderer before you got, uh, before you got to God. <clears throat> but uh, there, there's some, well, okay, well, maybe some folks were. I got one hand raised up there, but... Uh, I think he was, I think he was raising it in jest, right? But, uh, uh, we did some awful unsaid, untoward things, right? I mean, I was an idiot. I would not want anyone in here to know what I was before I came to God. I, I'm just, I'm being, it would embarrass me, uh, for you to know, but thank God it's also a testimony. Uh, that I'm not the person that I used to be, right? But when I got when I got all that I did, all the people that I wronged, all the things that I did, the the the, the principle of the scripture is that when I got into Christ, when I went down in the water in the name of Jesus, and I was baptized into Christ, uh, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost, is that I got into the city of refuge, and uh, and and so Lucifer and his little pack of, of uh, demons or whatever, they don't have any right to enter into the kingdom of God and do anything to me as long as I stay in that city of refuge. Amen. I know it's Thursday, but at least, you know, give me a good head nod, right? So when you got, when you got into the city of refuge, you got into a place of authority to where that there's, there, there's nothing than your past that can chase you into the church. <laughs> I said nothing of your past can get past the boundary of the church to be able to affect or to exact any revenge on you or to, or, to, or to cause you to have to pay for what you've done for your past because when you got into the church, all that went under the blood. And all the authority that existed for there to be a revenge or an act of revenge upon what you did when you got into the church, the typology of the Old Testament is that that authority has no effect in that city. We've just got to stay in the church. Amen. Hallelujah. So they set up these cities of refuge. And uh, that is uh, a typology of Christ. The uh, tabernacle was uh, also set up at Shiloh. Uh, 
And uh, this is where the Ark of the Covenant uh, was placed uh, in Israel after they uh, came in and divided the land. The Ark of the Covenant crossed over, and the Ark of the Covenant went to Shiloh. And it was, it was actually located uh, in Ephraim. It was just north of the town of Bethel. Uh, is where the Ark of the Covenant uh, was uh, located. And if, you, if uh, all of this is, uh, uh, if you've never looked at a map of Israel, uh, you, you would do yourself well to be able to just, you know, Google uh, an Old Testament map of Israel to be able to understand and learn uh, and have an idea of where these territories, where these tribes were laid out. Uh, I don't have time to go through it tonight, but you would also be well uh, to lay, to understand the layout of how the of how the tribes were arrayed uh, in in according to the tabernacle of the wilderness, and uh, you'll find some similarities there uh, that are, are really rich, especially if you go through and uh, do a word study on what the tri- the names of the tribes actually mean. Uh, it's quite. Uh, 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 enlightening, uh, and there are some great typologies in there. So, uh, moving on, uh, the tabernacle—that's uh, where the uh, Jews, because the Ark of the Covenant, they traveled to there year after year, uh, and that's where they they uh, worshipped the Lord with their feasts. Amen. So that was uh, in uh, Shiloh, north of uh, of uh, Bethel. Joshua's last address, and I'm, I'm going to go through this very quickly. Uh, I don't know uh, how many of you uh, had the opportunity to uh, uh, hear this, but uh, Bishop Wright uh, preached on Friday night of district uh, conference, uh, was his last uh, message, official message, uh, that he preached to the uh, Maryland, D.C. district. And he entitled it, Finally, My Brethren, uh, and it was it was so rich uh, with uh, just nuggets of wisdom of a life well lived uh, and leadership well led, and uh, that's when I read this about Joshua's uh, last address. It really caught my eye and, and brought me back to that. That you know what a man what a man says in his last words or his last address uh, that he gives to somebody really tells you about what. A lot of his character, uh, and I will I will uh, spoil you with the punchline with Bishop's uh, message, and that was, was that uh, above all else, uh, have a desire and, and uh, always be hungry and never get full. And uh, if you got that, uh, you got two thirds of the battle. And if you get full, <laughs> you got a real battle. <laughs> Amen. So ja- Joshua's last address here, uh, first and foremost, is he reminded the people. <clears throat> that God had brought them out, and that God had uh, had, had brought them out, and that He had, had He had brought them into the inheritance. So the the uh, important point here is, in the principle of the Scripture, is that God never leaves something undone. Uh, I tell this to uh, people all the time that are seeking the Holy Ghost. The principle of the Scripture is God never leaves a vessel empty. And when we repent, we get uh, things out of our life. What we're doing is we're making room for the Spirit of God. And uh, when we do that, uh, that's how we grow in God. We get more of God 
uh, the Spirit of God working in us is that we remove ourselves and more of the world out of us. And this is what Joshua, the principle that he basically says is, is don't ever forget that God brought you out, but he also has brung you in. And that's good South Arkansas uh, English right there is what, uh, what he brought out he can bring in. Amen. Uh, he encouraged them to be uh, faithful to God's word. Uh, and to not forsake God's word. Uh, Joshua 23 and 68 says, Be ye therefore courageous to keep uh, and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, and turn not aside uh, there from the right hand or the left, that you may... Uh, that ye come not among these nations uh, that remain among you, neither, ma- neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause them to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. He was basically reminding them is that the job is undone. And uh, there's still stuff, I've, I've brought you in, but there's still stuff to be done. Uh, and the stuff that's still to be done can corrupt you from the inside. Amen. That's, uh, that's one of the, the great pitfalls with Christianity is allowing things that God has spoken to you uh, that need to die uh, in your life and allowing them to live. Amen. Uh, the, scripture, the great wisdom, the scripture says that uh, life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The greatest wisdom that any, any Christian uh, can ever have is knowing what to speak life to and what to speak death to. And if you, and if you get that down, you, you're way far ahead in the parade uh, of life. And uh, that's basically what Joshua was saying here is that there's, you've got some stuff to go. And uh, if you let live what God told you to, to kill, it's going to come back, and it's going to be a situation. And uh, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. So he also reminded them that God is faithful and that he always keeps his promises. Amen. Anybody in here that uh, you, you've got a promise uh, that from God that God fulfilled it? Amen. Anybody in here, you got a promise that, uh, that, that you were uh, believing for uh, for five years? And uh, God, I see Sister Johnson, I see the Prasad. Anybody in here, you got 10 years that you were believing for something, and God, 15 years, huh? 20 years. Let's see, 20, okay, 25, 30, 30, 35, really close to 35. Uh, I'll tell you this, my aunt, uh, Betty, Brother Shelton's uh, mother, my aunt Betty started, she loves coffee. It runs in our family. And uh, she started fasting coffee when she first got into church uh, for her husband. Her husband was not saved. And I've never seen my aunt drink a cup of coffee until after he got, uh, into, after he got in church. And, uh, and then every once in a while, I'd see her slip up to the coffee pot. <laughs> uh, but that, that was, uh, that was, Forty or fifty years uh, that uh, it took for God to. Now I'm just uh, Leanne's holding my promise back there. That was that was uh, about twenty years worth uh, of believing God uh, there. I, twenty was long enough. I can't imagine thirty, Sister Sink, or fifty or whatever. And I definitely can't imagine going without coffee for fifty years. That's just 
demons of hell. That, I don't, I don't think, I don't know about that. But it did, you know, God honored it. Uh, the four things he warned, he warned them that if you forget God, uh, his anger is going to be turned against you. Uh, he also challenged them to make a choice between uh, the, the God of their fathers and the gods that they, that they were beginning to serve. Amen. And uh, everybody has to make a choice. Uh, even if you were raised in, in church, there's got to be a moment to where that he's no longer the God of your parents or the God of your home, but he becomes your God. Uh, and if you've never, if you've met, never made that ascent and never made that crossover, you're living in dangerous, dangerous territory. Uh, because if, if, uh, you're trying to serve God, love God, uh, be used of God through someone else's God, that, that's, uh, that's a heavy lift, uh, for sure. So, uh, he challenged them to, uh, uh, make a choice between their gods, uh, and they, and then he also commanded them to put away the gods that remained uh, in Israel. So uh, uh, Jehovah is a jealous God. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, if if you've ever tried to uh, serve two things, or uh, I mean, he has a, he has a way, uh, Brother Wharton, of making it plain which God you're going to serve, and uh, he's jealous. He is jealous. You're not going. You're not going to time him. Uh, if you do, he's just going to say, "Hey, forget it." Uh, and then Joshua last uh, is that he made a covenant with the people, uh, and he, he basically he said Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. This is twenty-five to twenty-seven. Set them a statue and ordinance in Shechem, and Joshua wrote thing, these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up under an oak. Uh, that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, uh, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. Amen. And uh, this is a, a fun country fact, uh, but uh, you, you guys have any idea where you, you find uh, what tree you find the most snakes in? is an oak uh, because that there, there are uh, parasites in there uh, that that's what they eat off of, especially copperheads. At least in South Arkansas, that's the case. So uh, I find it ironic that he put the word in the same place uh, that there was going to be some opposition to it. Amen. Uh, Joshua died at the age of 110, and uh, he served, uh, served the Lord all the days of his life. Oh, to be like uh, Joshua, what a great example uh, that he was. He served under Moses, and then he led after Moses uh, by accepting uh, the covering uh, and the uh, spirit of Moses that was upon him. I, w- I wish uh, that there were more Joshuas and Joshua leadership uh, in the church because it is a great example. Amen. I'm thankful uh, that we have a tremendous example of Joshua uh, that leads Antioch Central. Amen. There, there's no, I promise you, I know him uh, very well, better than most, and there's, there's, no, there's no finer man uh, to put on shoe leather uh, than uh, Pastor David Wright. And uh, we are blessed to have him uh, that uh, he's followed uh, in Moses' footsteps. So <clears throat> quickly, the period of judges, I got four, uh, five minutes and 50 seconds before uh, Brother Brown 
comes up. So the period of judges, this is going to be pretty simple because it's, it's the same thing over and over. It is because people are stupid. I mean, let's just be frank. <laughs> or I'll be stew and you can be frank. Uh, but let's just be real, right? People are people that their memories are short, uh, really are. And uh, this is if there's one thing that you could get out of this lesson uh, where it talks about uh, judges uh, and, and the period of judges, just get this. Uh, st- choose God and stick with God. And your life, your life will be a lot better. Uh, because if you start to waffle, the one thing, the one, one thing that I have learned about God is that if you harden, you harden up and God says do something and you buck up, you know, and say, ah, I'm, I'm going to get hard and I'm not going to do it. God knows just how to go get a bigger hammer and a bigger chisel. And, uh, you know, that's the, uh, Sister Johnson, that's the, the, uh, the, the great, the great, quandary in bible school you know can is is god uh is god so all-powerful that he could make a rock big enough that he couldn't lift well i i don't know if i can answer that or not but i know that you can't make you can't make yourself hard enough that he can't crack because <laughs> uh, he know he knows how to do that uh i i i, I stand as an example of uh of that so um Period of Judges, uh, Joshua told uh, told Israel to drive out all the inhabitants, right? And uh, they they didn't do that. Uh, Judah and Simeon fighting together, they successfully drove out the inhabitants of their possession, save one. Uh, most of the other tribes, in in disobedience to God, uh, they made actual compromises or leagues with their enemies and allowed. Uh, the very thing that God said needed to go or needed to die, they allowed to live in the midst of them. Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and they thought this was a good idea, right? Is that they, they were going to let them live and then they would just tax them and get tribute. So, uh, we're not going to do what God said. You know, we're going to, we're going to make a little money off this situation. That's a recipe for a bigger hammer and a bigger chisel. Amen. So, angel of the Lord came and uh, began to speak to them about their disobedience. This is Judges chapter 2 and verse uh, 1. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to uh, Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and brought you unto the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no league. With the inhabitants of this land, you shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. Know this, God always, always is trying the reins of your heart. He's trying to, he's trying to see that if there's anything in you that's willing to make a league or a compromise or an agreement with anything in this world, God's always doing that. And the reason is, is that's, that is part of the refining process uh, that we go through that, that builds our faith and makes us stronger. It's, it's experience uh, that grows our faith. 
And you can't have experience until uh, God tells you to do something that it seems like it's absolutely impossible. Well, I can't do that. How am I going to, you know, without these taxes and tributes that's coming in, how are we going to make ends meet? (laughs) Well, uh, God said, kill them. (laughs) They can't live here. And so you kind of rationalize in your mind uh, that, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to make a league with, and all of a sudden you got a strange God up up in the middle of, of of your inheritance. And, uh, and it's a snare. It's a snare for all of us. It's a test for all of us. You're never, you'll never ascend to a place in God or grow up into a place of spiritual maturity to where that God doesn't test the reins of your heart. As a matter of fact, if you want to know the truth about it, God only increases uh, the test as you grow up in spiritual maturity because what he then begins to test you with uh, and this is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, is that he begins to test you not with the difference between good and evil. In other words, what you're doing, what you're saying, where you're going. He begins to test, test you with matters of the heart, uh, which is uh, to be able to prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Good is what we, good is what we do, what we say, what we think. Uh, acceptable is what we do in the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it, but it is uh, uh, peace, joy, righteousness, and the Holy Ghost. He that do, serveth in these things is acceptable, same Greek word, unto Christ. So God begins to uh, test you about use, being used in the kingdom, whether you're going to use your time, talent, uh, and treasure for the kingdom, or whether you're going to use it for your personal gain. But then finally, he, go, he moves on to this place of perfection, which is a man of spiritual, spiritual maturity, and he begins to test you and try the reins of your heart about your motive, why you do the things that you do in the kingdom of God, whether you're doing that for your glory or for the glory of God. And those are the tests that really trip up a lot of people uh, because it's something, it's, it's not things... Uh, that uh, you can do, not things that you, it's, it's nothing that you would uh, look at in the natural. It's all things that are in the unseen. And uh, that's where faith is. So you got to have your faith built up uh, when, you, when God starts uh, talking to you about your motives, proving you about your motives. Amen. Uh, so uh, with this, we can, make, we can uh, 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 make a full surrender to God and uh, there's some uh, good scriptures here uh, in this about not being uh, unequally yoked, not being entangled, uh, and that we are supposed to be pure uh, in the kingdom of God with with God, and that we're not supposed to make any type of compromise or uh, 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 contract or league with anything of this world. Amen. I wish I'd always done that. Uh, I'd be a lot. I'd be a lot better off. Uh, but unfortunately, God tries the reins of your heart, and uh, whenever you, whenever He tries that, you go a little bit, uh, you know, off course. Uh, you get course corrected, then you find out what's in your heart. Amen. That's why the that's why the Bible says that offenses must come because you don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what's in your heart. Uh, matter matter of fact, you know, your wife doesn't know. Only God knows what's in your heart. But when an offense comes along, you can recognize what's in your heart very quick. Just listen to the words that you say uh, and the things that you do and the people that you don't associate with anymore or talk to or whatever. 
you, you'll figure out real quick that there's something in there uh, that doesn't need to be in there and something's got to die. Amen. So, um, first servitude, uh, they, they, uh, this is considered to be the roller coaster of uh, Israel's uh, history where they were up. They were on the mountaintop. They were in the valley. They, you know, they were their own nation. Then they were serving. So the first time that they started serving uh, is that uh, they, they were dwelling among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, uh, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Uh, and, and they made this mistake. They took their, they took their daughters to be their wives, uh, and they gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. And that's where they messed up. And all of a sudden, God said, that's not going to be, the, you know, we're, I'm not having that. And uh, they, they were oppressed. And uh, basically, they were brought under bondage uh, by their enemy. And so <clears throat> that, uh, that took uh, some time. And then God forsook them because they were backslid. And uh, Israel was oppressed for eight years because they they allowed their sons uh, and their daughters to be entangled uh, through marriage with other gods. Then the first judge, uh, which I, I would pronounce this Othniel, uh, and uh, I checked on my uh, Word uh, Bible program, and it was not that. So you pronounce it however you want to. Uh, he was the first judge that uh, God raised up, and uh, they believed that uh, he, that he was... Uh, uh, that his uncle was Caleb and uh, that the spirit of Caleb was upon him. And so God furthered this to where that Caleb uh, was the one that was brought into inheritance. And then uh, Othniel was the one that brought them out of the first bondage uh, as the first judge of, um, of Israel. Second servitude is that on the death of Othniel, they fell into uh, uh, idolatry again. So they were up and then, uh, the guy that said, "Hey, this can't stand." He dies, and pfft, right down the the uh, fast side of the roller coaster they went. And uh, Eglon, the king of Moab, came up against them, and uh, they were they were in bondage for eighteen years. And then Ehud, uh, God raised him up, and uh, Ehud was the the uh, guy that came into the into the. Um, uh, uh, king, which was Eglon, and uh, brought him close, told him he had a gift, uh, and the gift just happened to be a dagger uh, that he put into him and killed him, and uh, he basically delivered Israel out of uh, that king, uh, and that was uh, the 18 years, and they had peace for 80 years after that. <clears throat> and then uh, the third judge was raised, which was Shamgar. Uh, he died, guess what? Uh, they, they went into uh, bondage with uh, the king of Hosar, and uh, Sisera came against them, the tribes of Zebulon and Nephthalim, with uh, 900 chariots of iron. That doesn't seem like, 900 tanks doesn't seem like a lot of uh, uh, stuff right, you know, today, but I guess 900 chariots of iron uh, was a big deal back then. Uh, and then, uh, notably, the fourth judge of Israel was a female, Deborah. And uh, she was the wife of uh, Lipidoth, and uh, she was a prophetess, and she judged Israel for forty years. And she, uh, she, uh, amazing. If you've never, if you don't know the story, the details of her, I would strongly recommend that you take some time to study her life. Uh, it is a, it is a great picture 
of uh, someone that was completely sold out to God uh, and served God with their uh, with all their heart. Uh, she's just a beautiful testimony. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, she died, and then uh, Israel uh, once again returned to their evil ways. So it's just like us. I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, with without. Uh, strong leadership without someone that, uh, you know, is standing up and saying, hey, drawing a very, very uh, precise line that uh, this is sin, uh, you know, this is evil, and uh, and this is good. Uh, we all do that. Every man's way is right in his own eye. So that's why we need to be thankful for leadership. Uh, every mo- Every breath that we draw in, because it is that leadership that allows us uh, to to be saved. Amen. That speaks into our lives. Praise God. So, uh, upon uh, Deborah's death, they went back into um, servitude once again, and then uh, the fifth judge, which was Gideon, uh, was raised up, and uh, Gideon's army uh, smote them. He was, if you remember the story, where that uh, Gideon uh, he had a I don't remember exactly how it was, but uh, maybe twenty, thirty thousand people, and and the Lord said, "Oh, that's." Uh, that's too many folks. You got to call that down because you take that many people over there. You're going to think that you did it. And so he called, called them down to a couple hundred and, and, uh, uh, the, the Lord made them stop for water and, uh, told Gideon, <laughs> said, you still got too many. <laughs> and, uh, anybody that, anybody that, uh, leaned down to drink and didn't keep their eye on the battlefield or their surroundings, God told Gideon to call them out. And I think it was just a couple hundred. Uh, that uh, that finally went to the battle and um, uh, and surrounded them and God gave God gave Israel a great victory and so just a couple hundred people uh, actually smite like forty thousand people forty thousand uh, people uh, because someone followed what God was saying and did exactly what God did and uh, they brought out it was gr- it was a a very taxing <clears throat> uh, captivity. But because Gideon followed the word of God and did that in faith, uh, God gave them a great victory and uh, uh, delivered Israel out of uh, captivity uh, once again. But uh, as you will see, there's a continuation in Lesson 8, Lesson 9, punchline, you know, spoiler here, uh, Israel went back into bondage uh, after all that because they just, you know, People are people. You know, we're just sheep. <laughs> we need someone to tell us where to go in and, and uh, w- when to come out. Amen. All right, praise God. Let's stand. Uh, Brother Brown is uh, coming to, to uh, do probably a uh, much better job. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord that uh, he would uh, uh, multiply this word to us that uh, we could receive it. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for your word, for your goodness. God, I pray that your blessings would be upon every ear that has heard your word. Let your word be mixed with faith, that it would profit every one of these uh, folks that are represented here, that it would profit them individually, that it would profit their families, their homes. In the name of Jesus, let your word be multiplied to us. And everyone said amen.